shall we begin? Hey everyone, and welcome to Legion Quest. I'm your host, a guy who doesn't realize that time zones are different when daylight savings time happens, Zach Jenkins. And with me from across the pond, as always, he's a guy who just got renewed, Matt Sibley. Matt, how you doing? Pretty good because of the renewal. Because it's nice of the renewal. I can go another year. We have a season two, which really throws off our timeline here, but... No, it's good. If you're furiously scrambling to work out what happens in the off season, is it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, it's good stuff. So let's talk for just a quick second on that. I mean, I know we don't get into too many behind the scenes details no. here, but, but it's, it's back in 2018 at some point. Are you surprised? What are uh, you surprised? surprised that season two or surprised that it will be back then? Uh, low column A, little column B. Uh, I. Like I think getting a season two is like expect. Like I know I was wasn't sure whether it was going to end up being an eight episode limited thing, but right, like, you know, it's, it's clearly something which has the potential to go longer than just that. And twenty eighteen makes sense. Like I think Fargo was like sixteen months each time, give or take. Right. So yeah, it's like I, that was when he was just kind of doing one thing. Yeah, I'm I'm a little more surprised that we have a season two because one, the ratings for this show. Have not been super awesome. Yeah, I know it's true. been, I know it's been one that people been catching up on on like Hulu when it gets on, but FX is mm. putting a pretty decent delay on that, and I think that delay is not being accounted by the Nielsen ratings mm. or something. Well, it, uh, um, I think it's like on a two week, two week delay. Oh, that, just that's a long time. Yeah. yeah, FX like uh, the guy who is uh, CEO is called John Langraf, and he's like kind of shifting away from being solely focused on ratings so like if the show gets good a uh, good critical response and the people who are watching are talking about it and liking it then like those are those are like two of the criteria with the other one being actual ratings if it hits like two of the three of those then there's a good chance that he'll renew something and then like he has a working relationship with Hawley and everything yeah no i'm i'm a little surprised i'm not upset no no it's good yeah. to have more of the show yeah, as far as waiting till 2018, I mean, I guess this show came out February. Yeah. So of 2017, so mm -hmm. a year and some change. Eh, that makes sense because I I really doubt that everyone kind of planned on having a season two. Like they thought, well, maybe we can. But oh. I'm I get the feeling everyone went into this as here's eight episodes of a thing we're gonna do. Yeah, I like I I imagine it's kind of close. It's closed off enough. It isn't gonna kind of end without the main stuff of the season being resolved, but then there's likely a few things which they've or will seed in yeah. order to, rather than get like into the room for season two and be like, what do we actually do? We, we set up nothing. Yeah. Uh, it's cool. I'm happy about the news. Mm. Super good. It's just another in the long line of great X-Men news that's been happening in the last couple of months. Yeah, so, it's been a real resurgence. Look, I know this is a tiny bit off topic, but the last couple of years of X-Men as a media entity in general have been just miserable to be a fan of because everyone's talking about how the sky's falling and that everyone's going to die or get turned into inhumans or this whole thing. And seeing that ship turn around has been very good for my blood pressure. Yeah, I, I enjoyed when people started moving away from the X-Conspiracy. Man, I wrote like a 5,000 word 
article showing business charts and all this stuff saying, no, you guys are being a little bit something. So, yes, something to that effect without connotations of negative implications on mental health. Speaking of mental health, what was this episode all about, Matt? They were in a version of Clockworks, and everything's kind of been shuffled around. Because, you know, David's at peace, quote-unquote, but you, know, you then got Sid, who thinks there's something more going on, despite mm-hmm. everyone else's protests, so that, you know, there's a role reversal there. Other people had shifted, so like... Uh, David's sister Amy was one of the nurses. Lenny yeah. was the therapist. And let's let's talk about Lenny for a second, because I mean, my very first note on here hmm. is Plaza is amazing. Yeah, she, the amount of different stuff she has to do in this episode. I think it may have been like a Hollywood Reporter interview where she said like, once and everything gets revealed, I'm like kind of playing four characters at the same time and switching between them, which is like, it's a super impressive thing, you know, like, the James McAvoy movie Split came out and he was, like, switching between ones there and people picked up on it. Right. Because, like, they were were very different, like, you know, one of them was, like, a little child and then the other one was a full-grown man, so you can be aware, whereas here, like, it's very subtle changes because we weren't meant to realise it kind of early on. Yeah, That, that was that weird movie where Professor Xavier was playing Legion, right? Yeah, basically. <laughs> I am not Shyamalan. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. But I think it came out the first week of this show, too. That, that was, sounds was right. Weird, it was one of the earlier movies. It was like a weird bit of serendipity. But yeah, Aubrey Plaza was killing it tonight. And especially if you only know her from Parks and Rec. If you only know mm-hmm. her from her comedy stuff where she plays you know, a deadpan, moro- deadpan morose slacker person. Well, even out. if you know her from the first couple episodes, but we were like, she's playing Aubrey Plaza. <laughs> yeah. And I wasn't upset about that. We had no, no things no. to say about her. But, but just to kind of see it dovetail in this way and yeah. grow outwards into this like very multi-nuanced performance. Yeah, it it was great. And as you were saying, she uh, she does a little uh, just therapy session with all the characters who are in there. Mm. And I'll tell you what it reminded me of a lot is an issue of x factor from back in the 90s called examinations it was the first issue that uh, joe casada who's now the uh chief creative chief creative officer at marvel Hmm. drew for uh for the x books and it's the entire team sitting down with a therapist you don't see the therapist they for like the longest time and it's Hmm. all of them you know, straight up to the reader, laying out, "Hey, this is my deal." Okay, so Either is it like, you. is it like when Bendis did all of like the two-page spreads of characters, like kind of talking to camera in Avengers stuff? Yeah, a little bit, a okay. little bit like that. But it was the whole issue, and it would go through like three-page, you know, just everyone talking. Some mm. of them were hidden, like it's where the uh, that whole Quicksilver being pissed off about uh, slow oh, person yes. editing. Yeah, I know that page. Yeah, it's that it's that issue. So everyone has this thing where either they lay out their deal or they lay out exactly the opposite of their deal, but with enough subtext that you know you can tell. Oh, they're denying this. They're hiding okay, yeah. from it. Which is a lot how the, this episode kind of starts, in my opinion. They're sitting there saying, you know, this is what's going on with autonomy. This is what's going on with David. This is yeah, what's going p- on with autonomy is perhaps more open than Melanie's. It's like a 
point of comparison. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's a it almost feels like a cheat. And if it's done poorly, it's a crutch for a writer to say, Hey, look, I have a way just to lay all of this stuff out without having to build to it. But I think Yeah, this it's like show, when people joke about musicals being oh they can sing what they're feeling. Exactly. It's exactly that. But it works it worked in the examinations issue and it works here because they've built up all of these character traits and they've given us the subtext for all of this so making it text especially in a show that's already had a pretty heavy you know therapy theme to it i think it works Hmm. like i i'm not this is perhaps like the first episode where i'm a little bit unsatisfied part of that's the way that it ends it just felt like there were as if like there were a couple more minutes waiting well Mm -hmm. it kind of should have been there but it's also like you know, like the the gaslight episode in this way of like, don't worry, everything's fine. You're, you don't have mutant powers. Like that kind of idea, that, you know, does happen a lot in genre television. For the record, it's better than Iron Fist's second episode. I haven't watched Iron Fist yet. I I was like watching that kind of like earlier this morning. Like le- this episode of Legion is you know certainly better than what I thought of that an episode of Iron Fist with a similar concept. But I also think like it because it's like that concept. I don't know whether it did enough different to kind of satisfy me for the 50 minutes that it ran for. Yeah, well, I'll, like, I'll like this, you, you know, this still flourishes in there, but... feels like this episode was a little unnecessary. Like, hmm. we, we talked about how this show's been real good about filling the time the episode needs to tell the story hmm. that it wants to, so it'll go for, you know... 70, 80 minutes on some episodes, it'll hit it a flat, you know, 45 or whatever at some others. Hmm. This didn't feel like it needed the space that it was given. I was, I, mean, at, I was at, like, the halfway point, which I think is when Carrie and Carrie kind of say goodnight to each other. Mm-hmm. And I, at that point, I was like, this is perhaps, like, a little... It's, like, it's pumping the brakes. Not in a, oh, no, we've run out of story way, but, like, it's intentionally doing so, and it just hasn't resonated in the way that they expected it to with me well i guess i guess where i see it and i understand that you know we're we're in like the final handful of episodes for this Mm. season so you need to we and we've had a lot of high energy stuff so you need to slow down a bit to build back up to that climax yeah exactly i get that but in an eight episode season i think there's a difference between slowing down and slamming on the brakes and that's what this episode felt like we got we got a lot of good stuff we got the most character development for the shadow king and let's just yeah. the previews have already done it so let's just straight up call okay it. i, I wasn't sure whether we were gonna shadow sidestep that spoiler alert guys that thing we said was probably the case is the case i don't see i don't think that the show is keeping it a mystery like there's been no the mystery is for comic fans hmm. it's the it's the whole, like, Iron Man 3 thing where comic fans are like, oh yeah, the Mandarin, this is what the Mandarin does, this is who the Mandarin is. And then they swerve the main fans, or the uh, Supergirl Martian Manhunter thing. Oh, yeah. Spoiler alert, mm, Martian Manhunter's in an early episode of Supergirl. But it's a character that all the comic fans think is someone else, and they're like, joking! Here you go, we played you. It's been all but said in these first six at this point. Then. Yeah, I mean, it's They've been dropping. They've been dropping hints, and no one 
who's not big fans into comics would pick up on some of those or how they connect to the words Shadow King, which I guess in my mind makes it not a spoiler. The entity has a name. That's all it is. Yeah, it'll be easier guess. for us to discuss it if it has a name. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, this is a this is a big uh, Plaza Shadow King focused episode. Hmm. I think which she gets the standout scene as well with like the sil- the silhouette dancing. Are we going to talk about like... the James Bond intro that's just in the middle of this? <laughs> it's it's incredible, and I, I was kind of like shocked when it happened. <laughs> I mean, I know we already got a Bollywood dance number in the first episode, yeah. but I wasn't expecting this. I mean, part no. of, I think I saw someone on the subreddit who like copy pasted everyone's faces are back onto like the Bollywood dance number, <laughs> and I was like, if they repeated this, this would be great. And then there was like this, which is like part Bond, like he said, but it, it remi- there's a Roald Dahl used to have like a kind of Twilight Zone style thing called Tales of the Unexpected, which had like a similar dancing thing, and that's what my mind also leapt to. Wait, wait, wait. Was was that like a TV show or something? Yeah, that yeah. Out in it? Yeah, I think it was, it was like really short stories, you know, which would only go about ten minutes at most, I think. Okay, because Rodol was like my favorite guy when I was a kid. Wrote all of my favorite books, so... So I wasn't sure I whether, like... I probably should have asked beforehand going with that about, like, whether Rodol actually made it across the pond in that way, but... For people who don't know, Rodol... Rodol, he's a famous children's author. Uh, his probably most well-known book is Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, he also did James and the Giant Peach, The mm-hmm. Fantastic Mr. Fox. The Twits, uh, the BFG. BFG, which I loved. Uh, Danny Champion of the World, which is an underrated oh, yeah. classic. There's a lot of good freaking Rodol out there. Mm-hmm. That That's your British children's author corner for the uh, day, but go read some Rodol. <laughs> Like, I'm, I'm legit super excited for my kid to be able to understand stories. Like, once he hits that six, oh, seven-year-old yeah. range, yeah. so I can read, like, Roald Dahl stuff, because I have this mm-hmm. old, beat-up copy of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator from, like, the 50s. Oh, wow. I got, God. That I, yeah, like, my mom read it when she was a kid. I read it when I was a kid. And I intend to have my son read it when, you know, he's yeah, old sweet. Enough. Yeah. Plus, it's a great book. Yeah. Way off topic. Way <laughs> the so Back to the silhouette scene where she's... It, uh, it's directed by Hiro Murai, which worked with Donald Glover for a lot of Charles Gambino stuff in the um, Atlanta. But it, like, you know, it keeps that surreal quality, which she's always had in the way that she's just kind of, like, pushing through to each location and kind of, like, making the space her own. Well, I think what it does is it cements what the Shadow King's deal is. The Shadow King, and this is, again, pulling from the comics, but I feel like, especially if you just take this two-minute dance number, really Mm -hmm. puts it, it is a creature that is just looking out for its own pleasure. Whatever it wants, it's going to take. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot of just Plaza doing, you know, a little bit... A little bit wacky, a little bit out there, but straight up just, this is what I want, and I'm all about me. And that's the very confident thing that she's doing in the whole ep- in that whole dance number. And I think it really mm-hmm. works. I mean, the Shadow King, he's the one that... I mean, there was a story where he possessed a character named Karma, and then literally just was like, I like food right now, and turned her into like a 400-pound obese woman. 
okay. just because yeah. he was spending a bunch of time eating because that's just what he wanted to do at the time. Mm. And it wasn't his body, so who cares? Yeah, it shows his real, like, you know, disregard. Yeah, it's it's a very self-centered entity. Mm. But yeah, so I'll, I'll tell you, so we go back to Clockworks, right? In this episode. Yeah, well, yeah, we're back in the psychiatric hospital. It felt like an episode of the TV show Scrubs called uh, My Deja Vu, which was mm. a clip episode without any clips from previous shows. It wasn't like the one community oh. thing okay. where it was fake clips. It mm. was the same parts of different show or different episodes twisted and like just tweaked, like a line of dialogue was changed or the punchline of a joke was flipped mm. a bit. They do a lot of that, especially with the early stuff here at Clockworks. I yeah, mean, well, I mean, like, have... the, the thing which stood out to me was the fact that the you know, Carrie and Carrie are playing ping pong without the ball. And then with the ball, and a few seconds later? Yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, it's like, it is the same location, but just enough is off to make it kind of feel different in that way. Well, I'll tell you, one of the things that I noticed that wasn't there that should have been for a while is Tree Guy, the oh, guy yeah. who hides in trees. Shrub Man. Man. Is that what we were calling him? I forget. I don't know. I, I, I wrote down Shrub Man on mine. Just... I put tree guy exclamation point. So, whatever. <laughs> the guy who was hiding in the moss. Uh, yeah. He wasn't there except for one scene. That's like, the scene where he's holding something, isn't it? Yeah, there was like one shot of him in the background. But there was a lot of times looking at the tree stuff and looking at the background where he wasn't there. And it feels like the Shadow King, the entity is creating this world, but it doesn't know where all the pieces should actually be. It's yeah, kind well, of throwing it together the best it can. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, it, it shows, if we're kind of operating under that, that he's creating new memories and they're not entirely correct, and then sometimes that's, like, intentionally so to mess with David. Right. But then, like, in some instances it may just be, like, he doesn't have access to all of this stuff. Because, <sighs> I mean, like, we weren't sure the tree man was in David's mind... Or anything originally, so. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting concept for an episode, even if I don't think it was executed as well as it should have been, mm, or that like, it wasn't the right place in the season for it. Yeah, I th like I think I kind of that this middle point, like four to six, is the appropriate place to put it. Like you put it too early, then you don't have a grounding with the characters to be like I. Yeah, of course this is like, this bit isn't real, but I'm sure they'll break out of it. And right. if you put it right towards the end, then it feels anticlimactic. And it, like, you know, if this, if this was like seven, you know, like you, oh. reach, you reach six, comes to the end of the episode, big dramatic conclusion, then the whole thing happens. And it's like, oh, this is, this is like you guys didn't have enough and had to like, find something. Like second to last episode of Lost where they just sit down and explain the whole show. <laughs> but the momentum has already been built up to that point, so taking a second to say, and this is how it all happened, kind of loses steam. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I, I like the concept, and I agree there's not a better place to put it, but I think it could have been done mm. tighter. Or, yeah. like, it, it didn't tie into the events of the last episode as well as I think it should have. And we, we get a bit of it. Uh, yeah. But it's also kind of, it's pushed towards the end of the episode. Yeah, it's not like it's not like going four into five when the momentum had built to that confrontation, and then we're picking up in the aftermath and having to work out where we stand. Yeah, because I mean, right now all of this is happening between the the gun being fired by Rudy slash the Eye, hmm. and 
uh, Sid jumping in front of the bullets and everything stopping. We're <laughs> still at those seconds. So it's it feels like a very odd place to slam down on the brakes. Hmm. One, while we're talking about its placement, uh, Andy Greenwald, who is a co-producer, did an interview with Noah Hawley on the Watch podcast, which I think went up yesterday, so you know it'll be easy to find. But this was originally episode four while they were in the room. Okay. And so, like, you know, like a lot of stuff shifted. Like Oliver was meant to be a season two thing, and then Hawley came down to write episode four and was like, "Okay, I guess I'm just writing him talking to camera for these opening minutes." So, like, there is like a very shifting nature, and you know, lots of different things are being tried throughout the entire process. So, like, you know, I have, like I have to admire like they didn't just kind of like stick with one thing and be like, "Yes, this is going to work," and then got to where he's like, "It didn't." You know, like they've look to kind of see if they can mix it up even when put like putting everything together at the end yeah and to be clear i know we're kind of down on it i don't think this was a bad episode no my expectations for this show are just real high yeah i think i think if like another lesser comic book show had done something like this then you know we'd be like a little bit more upbeat because it's trying stuff but when we've had five episodes of it like really going for it and they've been like like 8.5s and 9s we like really we're just complaining like this is a 7 and then yeah. like it comes across as complaining when it's not intentionally so when you when you set expectations and you set them incredibly high if you miss but you miss pretty close it's still going to come off as oh this wasn't as good as i wanted it to be and it's yeah, gonna be it's frustrating when something just misses the mark yeah I mean, look, if freaking Legends of Tomorrow did a psychiatry bottle episode where everyone's talking about their feelings, I think people would say, that's very different. That's interesting for the show to do. But mm. when Legion's been doing, you know, 800 other different things, and then it, you know, pulls this and doesn't execute as well as I think it's done on other episodes, you focus on the negatives, which yeah. maybe maybe you shouldn't. But, I mean, like, you know, there's still, there's still, like, quite a bit to like. I mean, like, we we talked about the silhouette scene already. Yeah. And, like, that's a really, like, impressive. stunning moment, which is, like, a sight to behold. And then there's the, like, you know, there's the little quirks, like, Carrie and his, and Bill Owen's clown habits with all of the handkerchiefs. <laughs> I'll tell you, Carrie and Carrie were the... Besides Plaza, Carrie and Carrie were, again, my favorite part of this. They have such a good relationship and such a good characterization in the show as being <laughs> a weird mix of best friends and siblings. The thing I loved the most about this was it kind of like from the opening therapy scene was that their completion of each other's sentences was just like a, just enough time off mm -hmm. to like kind of understand that like for it not to feel right and kind of allow for that sense of unease. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they did a great job with it, hmm. with that, with those two characters, and they've continued to do real well with a concept that's a little odd, a little bizarre. Yeah, like I think this is perhaps like the most perhaps mainstream it's gotten in like oh they think they're, as opposed to like oh they really are kind of the same person in a way. Yeah, I mean it feels like it feels like in the Shadow King feels like they're afraid of the. Uh, Summerland team at this point, especially mm. Sid. There's a yeah, lot with especially with Sid character. kind of having like more agency than she's had in a couple episodes and being convinced that she's onto something and needs to find out what's going on. 
Yeah, and I I really liked I really liked how Sid was handled in this episode. Hmm. She uh she was a lot confident in this. She knew that something was up. And instead of last episode where she was so overly stuck on, oh, what's David need? What's David want? How am hmm. I going to help out David? Sid was like, this is screwed up, and this is impacting me. I'm going to do something about it. Yeah, I thought that was is, good. good yeah, and that's why the Shadow King moves to kind of subdue her first with the headphones. and Yeah. Because everyone else hadn't really gotten to the same line of thinking yet. Yeah. What else do you want to cover in this? So, yeah, like, I, I think Potomomy's therapy scene... Like, right off the bat is the most emotional, and it's a real kind of, Like, you know, the characters have kind of sh- shifted in their attitudes in some way in this episode, but he he's more upbeat in a way, like, his general intonations and everything. Mm-hmm. But then that's you know, juxtaposed to the real tragedy of the situation that he's getting into. So, you know, he was a kid and his mother died and he couldn't really do anything. And then, yeah. and then there's the line from him, like, I like to think that I'm a time traveller. And... It's, it's stuck with me because I like he's a time traveler in like the truest sense of the word, and that he can go back, but he literally can't interfere. Right. I mean, even when he's discussing, uh, you know, the events with his therapist, it's so detailed, so vivid, so clear. Hmm. Like, I thought it was a really, I thought it was really good to start with him in the episode. Well, I guess it starts with Melanie, but start with him as far as the powered characters go yeah so hey these are the same people they still have all of the same abilities all of the same characterization but they're trapped they're different and hmm. for him to go through and be like oh yeah i have this perfect vivid memory where i can describe you know every little detail of what i was doing what this floor tiles were like all of that and that's important to me to this memory I thought it was a fantastic way to, you know, reestablish his character and add a lot of sympathy to a character who, at least from the Summerlands teams, acts as more of an antagonist to David. You know, for yeah, rational, yeah. for practical reasons, but you know, he could come yeah. off as if, well. He's if we're aligning ourselves with David as like a, this is the guy who's gonna, you know, we've been with through the start, then kind of any sort of resistance to his ideas. Is going to yeah. be met with like a kind of unanimous. Um, I'm not really going to go with you. Whereas like now, as you know, there's like another layer that that's been peeled back. Yeah, I I thought they did a great job humanizing him. Yeah, and I think he, when they, they return to that scene with adult Potomac in the in his place, then yeah, that that kind of hit a little harder because you you start to see oh he's straight up. He sees this memory all the time. He's always back in that moment. And it's not just he's off to the side watching. It's like he's in it. He's an active way. participant. Yeah. But and obviously can't change anything about tragic it. tragic event, yeah. And then, I get, you know, uh, Melanie and Oliver also kind of have like a, a sympathetic moment in that uh, Melanie finds her way back into the room where everything's happening. Right. But is kind of, you know, incredibly slowed down and you know she, like she and, sees the diving suit and by everything happening you mean the uh the bullets where we essentially left yeah. off uh episode five yeah i would like that that scene in itself is a is cool visually because she's having to duck under the 
bullets to the thing and she tries touching one but like it's still it, you know it's still got its momentum even when it's slowed and then there's the mm-hmm. the visual of Orbit Plaza's eyes popping up behind her oh yeah that was terrifying that was mm. creepy as all get out yeah it's like you know she really is like watching everywhere even this one place which wasn't part of the clockwork that, that's been constructed yeah kind of the world between worlds or whatever hmm there was a lot of emotional stuff from El Nami. You get you get more about how she really misses Oliver. She really misses yeah her husband. And because yeah, Melanie's like intentions had been revealed to be not completely altruistic, no, but she, at the same yeah, time not completely selfish. selfish. Yeah, yeah. And so like it kind of every instance like this kind of demonstrates how difficult of a position that is. Right. No, I I liked how Melanie was handled in this episode i do still feel like out of our main cast she's probably the least developed she you know the least yeah. about what's going on with her yeah i think it's easy and like with her being in charge in a sense that's enough to go on for a while right because like you understand that she's kind of going to be doling out orders and people aren't necessarily going to be like arguing with her you know most you'll get like autonomy talking to her as a right-hand man but mm-hmm. that you know and as it goes on, there's you know there's like interactions like this will go a long way to help build her up as much as someone like David or even Sid. Yeah, no, it, it's good. I, I'm glad that they are giving a little more characterization, a little more, a little more life to everyone. Yeah, and it's working reasonably well because the cast isn't so big that people are getting pushed to the wayside. Like there's still chance for everyone to kind of have something. Right, and I guess. I guess as we go, we should probably uh, we should probably talk about the everyone we've been following, the big the big guy David, hmm. in this episode a little bit. He jumps around with uh, he doesn't have psychosis in this. He's been diagnosed with manic depression in this clockworks place, this fake clockworks, hmm. and it's something yeah. that Sid argues. Sid say, "No, you're a you're a schizophrenia, or at least they said you have schizophrenia, but you're really a super powerful mutant." She doesn't. Mm. She doesn't have that mutant part, but she knows that's not what David's supposed to be. Yeah, and you know, eventually Sid leaves. David starts looking for her, and he ends up talking with the Shadow King, with Plaza's character, and we start to get some reveals. Yeah, this goes a lot further back than just David appearing at Clockworks or even at the kitchen incident. Uh, yeah. So the Shadow King mentions, "Oh yeah." I knew your father, your real father, the one who gave you up. He was a jerk. He thought he was so good, but he was not a super great, perfect guy. And all I wrote down in big old letters is Professor Xavier is a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. They're going to do it. I can't believe it. They're making it happen. I don't know who. I'm pretty sure it's not going to be James McAvoy or Patrick Stewart. But... I think we'll find out in the moment. And it it may even be someone that we've never heard of. It's going to be a bald guy in a wheelchair. And that's going to be enough. Yeah, but it's going to be, like, it's going to be, it's going to be visual enough that we're like, ah, yes. You know, it's not like they're going to mask the top of him in shadow and not show the wheelchair and be like, ooh, who's this who's just appeared? Even if they do it in shadow... He has a real distinctive silhouette in pop culture. Mm. I mean... Well, I mean, if with... they don't show the wheelchair, then it's just like, I see a, a dwarf has come to... <laughs> save us all. 
Uh, but in this episode, we get a lot about their relationship. Turns out the Shadow King, Amal Farouk, Aubrey Plaza, Lenny, King, I guess, the angriest boy in the world, knew, knew David's father, hmm. didn't like him. A bit of parasite and, on David's mind this entire time. Yeah, and has been hunting David essentially as revenge, which was the joke I made. That like, oh yeah, they're not going to do that last episode and then they're doing that which is fantastic because the shadow king is just petty enough to spend 30 some years on a revenge plot against some guy he dislikes yeah because the shadow king normally jumps from body to body doesn't doesn't he uh yeah for the most part i mean if Mm. if he finds a body that he likes he's gonna stick around for a while but not this long yeah not 30 plus years that's that's new they mm. also they also talk about this one in that same scene. Maybe it was one before and they brought it up later. But this one parasite, this one bacteria. I think that's that, definitely the scene. It's yeah, like, that, it, cut, it cuts away and shows it. Yeah, it's it's in ants in some tropic place. And it tries to burrow out of them. And if it doesn't spread, it gets horrible. And essentially gets this giant freaking spike. Uh, thing coming out of their head which uh matt matt have you you've seen our uh, podcast art for this right the the cover of yes. our podcast yes our How wonderful is... graphic design <laughs> made in microsoft powerpoint to be very clear <laughs> but the freaking comic ass uh david holler's hair mm. which is essentially just a giant spike coming out of his head i i didn't jump to that actually well i was I've i was I was, I was I was i was processing like oh this is pretty disgusting Oh, it's disgusting, but there's no way that's not an allusion to it. Mm-hmm. I want to hope. I want to hope so bad that we end the show where his hair is wildly tall. I know that's dumb. I know it has nothing to do with the rest of everything. But now they've established an in-universe reason for his hair or his head to be <laughs> crazy. Even if it was just a metaphor. But this show, mm. metaphors aren't just metaphors. They turn into real things. Yeah, so. it will it will become text at some point. Yeah, it Lenny does a lot of real cool stuff, uh, manipulating David. We learn a little bit more about her about their history, and uh, it ends the episode with uh, Shadow King essentially saying, "You know what? I just kind of need your body and your powers. Screw you as a person. I was trying to do this the right way. I was trying to be nice, and locks David inside his own mind. Hmm. And that's kind of where it ends. I yeah. agree with it. Which I felt like it was missing like a little. I think because it's you know it's essentially the reveal like oh Lenny is the Shadow King that like that's a beat that you can end on, right? Or it's like a major one and then there's a little bit more to come. So it's just, I think it's just like the way that it's kind of constructed in those final moments that I was expecting perhaps like something else maybe because it didn't cut between all of the characters kind of at the end to establish like they're still separate and trapped in ways. Yeah. I think they I think they were trying to use the beat of, you know, David being trapped inside his own mind mm. as like the big cliffhangery moment. But on a show like this, that's not really a new thing. That feels like more of the same. Yeah, like, I'd, argue, oh, I'd argue it's we're a little similar to in one person's mind. We're gonna be trapped he's gonna be trapped in a mind, trapped in a mind. Okay. Yeah, that's I'd argue it's a little similar to the ending of five as well. Right. Just like, oh look, they're in this internal state now 
Yeah. So, I mean, it was an episode that kind of spun its wheels. It did a lot of good character work. It did a lot of good stuff. Not mm-hmm. sure it was the right place or the right execution for it. Yeah, I think it's it just a that, episode. Yeah, like other episodes have done good character stuff, but it's also kind of been mixed in with like a lot of plot-related stuff. Yeah. Whereas exactly. like the more the more internal you get, the plot kind of has to shift to we need to break out of here. Whereas you know, like end of episode four, it was like okay, so there's this showdown, and then it turned out oh no, David's actually going to go to Division Three and kill them all. Yeah. No, it was uh, it was all right. Probably the weakest episode of the season, hmm. but I still liked it. <laughs> yeah, when when you're kind of aiming for home runs the entire time, there will be some points where you don't get that and kind of end up with like a single or a double. Okay, I wasn't expecting you to make, be the one making a uh, baseball metaphor. <laughs> I've watched like two games in my life. Go on. I've, I've watched like two cricket matches, so I think I'm at the same place. <laughs> this is not cricket hour, though. So let's get uh, <laughs> let's get into our uh, thirty second summary. Okay, I uh, found it. So got it. Trapped in a version of Clockworks, the Summerlands crew find themselves believing it's reality. Sid gets subdued by Lenny, but is rescued by Carrie following his trip to the astral plane. At the same time, Melanie makes her way back to the room where it happened, and Lenny gets some more one-on-one time with David as she considers leaving her host trapped within his own mind. Awesome! So that was, that was the episode. Yeah. We've got some uh, questions still. I I don't think this episode brought up any new questions. No, it, we're starting to get. Wish you know, we're in that kind of the position where it's shifting to more answers. Right now that the mysteries are kind of reaching their endpoints. Yeah, so, I mean, what is real? I think we actually have a much better grasp on what is real. Like, I think this episode, more than anything else, if it did one thing, it established that, hey, what we've been calling the real world is the real world. Maybe yeah. aspects of it aren't perfect, but... Yeah, which is something that we've been kind of expecting this entire time, but it's important to assert that if you're going to start dealing with constructed realities in this way. Yeah. Uh, we don't go back to the kitchen outburst, which I guess you can't really talk about in an episode where that where David's a different, you know, mental patient. Mm. So I, I get that. Though this would have been, I think this would have been a good time otherwise to really dive into. Yeah, that. to then know where what everything that can like led up to this in a way to then yeah jump off into like the final, the th- you know the third act of the season. Yeah. We still don't get more information about the Summerlands crew or what their what Melanie's big big war motive is. But with Division Three super dead, I'm not sure how important that's going to be going forward. That may be a dropped plot. I don't know. Uh, like, I I would assume that there's no more Division Three out there. I mean, he yeah. disintegrated most of them. Yeah. So unless there's somehow unless there's like other divisions but I, yeah, you know, I don't know maybe we'll the... have to see how the rest of it plays out yeah what did the stars say we don't get anything more on that no but again you know the david doesn't get really get a chance to talk about his dad until the end yeah and while we don't get the words charles xavier said i think we kind of know who david's parents are at this point since we know it's a mall for Ruth. we know where the comics lead like hmm. i'm gonna i'm not marking that as answered but I'm marking that in my head as this is definitely what it is. Yeah, we have a presumptive answer. Right. 
So, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was the episode. Sounds good. So, uh, if there's not anything else you want to wrap up? That's everything I had in my notes. Awesome. So, Matt, where can people find you online? You can find me at Matt underscore Sibley at Twitter, and I'm also over on Newsarama. I've had a review of Batman number 19 up on Wednesday. On Monday, there should be something about Casanova, Assetia number 8, which is like the presumptive midpoint of that whole thing, and... I was just excited to have a chance to talk about it because issues come out so damn slowly. Like, the last one was back in November. Yeah, say what you will about Image. It puts out a lot of real good quality stuff, but it's always, since its inception, had really, really bad delays. Yeah. Yeah. So slow. Because, like, you know, the thing that I, I thought was, like, oh, we're doing, we're splitting up the arc into these kind of, like, quarters so they can all kind of come out in one burst and then after whereas it does seem like they're they're kind of like being staggered in this way which you know like is atypical of an image schedule and then there's still a wait between sections yeah all right that's cool as for me you can find me on twitter at xavier files like david's weird dad and the word files uh they're uh, I talk about a bunch of X-Men stuff. We're getting ramped up for the Resurrection lineup, the new launch of the book. So there's been a lot of fun features. I've had some interviews with uh, the editors of the books, some of the writers. We're going to be doing some more of those as we're going forward. Uh, right now we're in the middle of hashtag mutant madness where we're taking the 65 characters that were on my list and just doing a March Madness bracket style challenge. I think I voted in all of those. <laughs> yeah, there's some good ones there. It's fun. I legit have like 10 brackets from people that I have to grade at some point <laughs> to see who got the closest, which is not great because March Madness, the uh, college basketball tournament that's real big here in the mm. U.S., is also going on at the same time, and I'm in charge of my work's uh, March Madness bracket. Oh, thing. right. That's uh... <laughs> So I have a that's lot of well. different brackets to grade. A lot of brackets to grade in general. <laughs> but uh, for things that aren't brackets, you can also uh, follow the show at Legion Quest on Twitter. Uh, that's where we post episodes. We do stuff. Uh, they're also on the Xavier Files website. If you uh, really want to support the show, you can always go to patreon.com slash Xavier Files. That's the overarching uh, Patreon for this. If you want to donate even a dollar you know we'll throw in a shout out to all that fun stuff we got reward tiers and all that so uh yeah good episode matt i'll uh, see you next week yeah sure see you guys right. for the chat. david david shall we begin